of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. This is the longest and perhaps greatest sentence in the whole of the New Testament. Bold claim. But I've read a few commentaries and they all say the same thing. This is glorious. Let me say that again. The longest, that's a fact, sentence in the New Testament, but also perhaps the greatest. Inevitably, we will not do justice to the content that is in these verses. We will be skimming the surface uh, of what uh, Paul wants us to hear and what God wants us to uh, to hear this morning. Uh, we're just skimming the surface. We're dipping our toe in the ocean. We're at the foot of the mountain and we'll barely set foot upon it this morning. But that's what we're going to try and do uh, in the 20 or so minutes that we've got, of which one is already gone. Uh, this is uh, one of the most dazzling outpourings of praise uh, that Paul ever wrote. Um, we see it's filled with uh, content, it's dense, it's rich, it's profound, and it's wonderfully written. And like I said, it's all one sentence. It's a 202 word monster in the Greek with no full stops, just like commas and uh, colons and semicolons or whatever Greek punctuation they had. I don't know any Greek, um, but, uh, but I'm assured that this is very difficult to read in the Greek. Um, I can't imagine that they just held their breath. Me and Josh tried to do it. I think we got to like verse seven before we had to take a dig big deep breath. Um, so um, luckily in the English, they put some full stops in for us. Uh, my aim this morning then is to give us an overview of, the, of these verses and to put some structure in place that I hope will allow us to... Um, kind of access it again and, and to go back and to reflect on in our own time or maybe with some resources. I'm going to share a couple of resources later um, that you can use. Um, but my hope is that by putting some structure in place, it will make this um, quite dense sentence um, passage uh, more accessible to you. Um, some scholars uh, and uh, commentary commentators and Bible thinkers and writers have said that this is uh, a gateway, a magnificent gateway into the rest of the letter. Another uh, commentator says that these verses are like a golden chain of successive links, different uh, Paul just brings up new clauses and phrases. It's like a new link on a golden chain of beauty and glory. My favourite um, commentator said that, um, or rather my favourite description of these verses was as the beginning overture of an opera and I've never I've never heard an, I've never sat in an opera but I understand what he, he means because it's like it contains in these verses all of the melodies that are gonna gonna be expanded upon in the rest of the letter so many of the themes and uh, ideas that Paul brings up here in these verses he's gonna like dig deeper into as he goes on in the next five chapters so uh, so in that sense, I don't feel too bad that we're skimming the surface because I know we're going to come back and deal with uh, many of these uh, great and glorious truths in greater detail as we go through this series. So let's let's read th these verses together uh, and I'll have them up on our screen for us. I'm tentatively titling this sermon Alive to Praise, um, but it's been a hard one. 
to to kind of pin down. But let's read these verses together. We're, we're reading Ephesians 1 from verse 3 through 14, and I'm reading in the ESV, but you can follow along in whatever translation you have. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Wow. Let me just pray for us and for me as we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the glory and the wonder that are in these verses. Lord, I thank you for your plan of salvation that you began before the foundation of the world and you will bring to completion at the fullness of time. Lord, I thank you that we have an assurance. Lord, I pray would you help us now to see your beauty, your glory, your wonder, your splendour, your majesty in these verses to be um, swept up in praise as Paul would uh, want for us. Lord, and I pray, would you open our hearts to see it and to believe it? And I pray for me now, Lord, would you help me to clearly unpack these verses, these great and glorious verses, uh, so that we can have a better understanding and greater appreciation of all that you've done for us in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, wonderful. Uh, most Bibles will have titled this this chunk of scripture spiritual blessings in christ that's what uh, my esv um this like study bible journaling one has uh, blessings in christ and that's of course what the content of these verses is it's paul is saying how we've been blessed in christ and uh, all the many various blessings that we have uh, as we are found in him and like I said, we're just going to do an overview of these verses and give some structure. But I wanted to give you two resources that can help um, impact. Two resources I think are really helpful. The first is, oh, oh yeah, here's the spiritual blessings. Wait, before I tell you my resources, I just listed them. Uh, you've got, uh, we are chosen and predestined for adoption, redemption and forgiveness, uh, the mystery of re is revealed to us to unite all things in Christ. We've obtained an inheritance, predestined, sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of inheritance. This is, um, I've unlined uh, these blessings for us. Um, but if you want to hear a fantastic preach, 
um, on the topic of these blessings and going deeper into, I highly recommend uh, Andrew Wilson, Five Reasons to Rejoice. Um, here it is, um, oh, Five Reasons to Rejoice, oh, I've gone back, by Andrew Wilson, and it's on kingschurchlondon.org. Um, it's a really brilliant sermon, just looking at just five of the reasons. I think there's possibly seven. You could count them differently. Another resource that I found really helpful, and is a bit more um, of a going deeper and digging deeper, is uh, Look at the Book. It's a series um, by Desiring God, which is the ministry of John Piper, if you've heard of him. Uh, and Look at the Book, what he does is he has the Bible open and he underlines and he writes on the text and he he spends about 12 14 minutes you can see at the side uh, i've got the playlist open so far in the book of ephesians he has done 74 videos and he's only at like chapter two so just to give you a, a, a sense of how in-depth they go it's about 30 hours so far uh, so maybe maybe it's not one to like start I don't know, just before you're about to go out. Um, but the good thing about these is that you might have a question as you're reading through and think, I, I don't understand this verse or this idea. And I, you can scroll down here on the right and look and see that he might have actually answered or looked at that question specifically. So really helpful resources uh, for us this morning if we want to go deeper. But what I want to look at this morning is... Um, the structure of how Paul's thoughts here flow. See, it's one big long sentence, but Paul does have a structure in mind. He does have a flow of thought. And the key to this flow of thought is in verse three. He sets it all out in verse three, and then he unpacks it in the rest of the verses. So let's read verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is a profoundly Trinitarian sentence in uh, that describes a, a Trinitarian passage. You'll see that this passage that we're reading has the work of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit uh, implicit and um, so importantly throughout. And I think uh, for me, that's a bit of a, a challenge. We're part of a group of churches that maybe doesn't talk about the work of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit quite so much. We're very, um, we're just very comfortable with, with saying, uh, we're just saying God. And that's okay. I think for me, at least, I, it comes from like a nervousness of wanting to get into the discussion about how the Trinity works. The truth of the matter is, it's very complex, it's a mystery, and I don't fully like, I can't explain it very well, how the Trinity works. Um, at least I don't think I can. I always get a bit muddled up. But Paul doesn't have a problem here using and um, celebrating the work of the Trinity, uniquely different persons having different roles in the plan of salvation and giving these blessings. And we'll see that in these verses this morning, that that's how Paul structures it. He focuses on the work of the Father as the origin and source of these blessings. And then he moves on to how Christ is the sphere or the way in which we receive the blessings. It's because we're in Christ. And then he also describes these blessings as spiritual. And it's important when we hear the word spiritual, I think today we think 
oh, that means, you know, not material. You know, people might say, oh, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Or um, we might think of things like uh, meditating and, um, you know, Eastern mysticism as spiritual. But really, when Paul is talking about it here, uh, none of that's in his mind. He's thinking of the spirit and he's describing these blessings as by their nature, they're of the spirit. That is the Holy Spirit is is involved in um, these blessings in a big way. And we'll see how he describes that or unpacks that at the end of these verses. So that's my structure. We're looking at the work of the Father as the source of the blessings, the work of, of the Son being the, the location, the sphere in which we receive the blessings, and the, the work of the Spirit actually is the sealer and the securer of those blessings as well. So, God the Father, uh, we can see uh, at the very beginning, Paul sets out God the Father who has blessed us. It's his plan and his purpose. He goes on in verse four um, to say how God has chosen us. In fact, we see all throughout, I've underlined it in purple for us, the, the work of the Father in uh, choosing, uh, destining us to be sons and daughters, He's freely bestowed on us his grace. That literally is he's graced us with grace. We are a people of grace. We've been graced with grace. I love that. And Paul also emphasizes throughout God's will, God's good pleasure, his purposes, his plans. We, as, as I read it, I just keep hearing that according to, according to his purpose, according to his plan, predestined according to the purpose. God is... Um, in, involved in charge he's setting it all in motion and he does so before the foundation of the world this is amazing truth and a difficult one it's called the doctrine of election and again it's one of those things that like i think people choke over it and find it difficult but it paul again doesn't he just holds it up as something to be um looked at and seen as glorious and beautiful that God, before the foundation of the world, had you in mind. He had your salvation in mind. He had a plan to bring you to himself and adopt you as a son and daughter of the living God. How amazing it is that God is planning and predestining our salvation before the foundation of the world. There's a lot to take away from that, but two that I want to share with you this morning is that God is in control. No matter what we see around us, God has a plan and a purpose. No matter what's going on in your life, in this country, in the world, God has a plan and a purpose. A plan that he started before the foundation of the world and a plan that he will bring to completion. We can be people of hope in our community, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friendships. We can be people that don't fret or worry or... Um, you know, moan and whine about all what's going on around us. We're people of joy and people of hope because our sovereign God is in charge and he has a plan and a purpose for good things. The second thing that I take from this, uh, and again, this is a big, big, big theme in the letter, but it's that we are saved by grace. Notice in verse four, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before the foundation of the world, well, you weren't there. None of us were there to do anything to earn or deserve God choosing us. 
This is a key doctrine and it's like hard to grasp. It's hard to fathom that somehow or other God freely chose me before I did anything. What that tells us uh, is here's a quote that I thought was fantastic uh, about these verses. Paul could hardly have insisted more forcefully that our becoming members of God's new community, that is being adopted as sons and daughters, being chosen before the foundation of the world, that was due neither to chance nor to choice. It's no accident that you've been adopted as sons and daughters. And it, it's also not your choice. God chose you. That means that there's no room for boasting. We'll see in chapter two. There's no room for saying, oh, I did this. I'm worthy. I'm, I'm, I'm the chosen one. That's not what that means. It means that before I could do anything to deserve it, he looked at me in my helplessness and rescued me. How amazing. But it also means no room to boast and no need to doubt. If he chose me, he will uh, keep me. How amazing. Our hope is in God. Next, we're going to move quickly on. Uh, so I'm nearly out of time. God the Son. God the Son is the sphere in which the blessings are given. I wanted an S sound, and that's also what the commentators call it, the sphere. But what that means is simply what Josh told us last week, is that we are in Christ. It's amazing. In these verses, the phrase in Christ or in the beloved or through him or through his blood is used 11 times in these 12 verses. Paul is uh, wanting to emphasize and it does so in the letter and in fact in all of Paul's writing Paul emphasizes that our being in Christ is the key description of what it means to be a Christian way more than justified or saved or forgiven uh, redeemed born again made new any of those any of those words glorious and great that they are they come about because we are in Christ in Christ is the umbrella term which all of the other ways to describe the believer fit under. Uh, and that's so important for us. As you notice that, you'll realise it's everywhere in Paul's writing. And you can see how I've highlighted it here for us in these verses. But we see that the middle section, verses 7 to 12, Paul kind of um, looks at what it means for us to be in him. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his grace. That he's been he's made known the mystery of his will, which he set forth in Christ to unite all things in Christ. Again, a huge, huge, huge theme of this letter. In fact, maybe the main point is that God will unite all things in Christ. And that we as the body, the church of the, the body of Christ, the church, uh, we have been united. Um there's Again, some takeaways from this, many, many takeaways too for us this morning, are that though separated as we are all over Gothenburg and all over the world, believers, Christians are united in Christ. That means that our chief, our main, overwhelming um, identity is in Christ. Josh told us that last week. So whether we're uh, Swedish or not Swedish, whether we're, um, you know, support this football team or that football team whether we're on the right side of the political spectrum or the left so divisive in our culture today is these you know, is politics and yet what paul is telling us in this letter is that first and foremost believers christians we're united we're united 
together and we're united with God and these blessings in Christ. Second thing we notice is, again, we're saved by grace. It's because we're in him that we have access to all of these blessings. Not because of me, not because of anything I've done, but because of everything that Christ has done, we receive these blessings. The next thing, that the way that Paul uh, comes to an end of these verses describing these blessings is the work of the Spirit. We saw in verse 3 how these blessings are spiritual in nature. Uh, but we see at the end in verse 13 and 14, Paul unpacked that. He says, uh, in him, you also, that is in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the guarantee of our inheritance. As the seal, as the spirit, the spirit seals these blessings and kind of the seal is, uh, uh, has kind of two functions. One is to, to, to show the, the property of the king would stamp his seal into the wax on the letter to say that this is, uh, this is, this is mine. And so we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with God. So God puts his name on us. God puts his stamp of approval and, uh, and family name. He gives us his family name. We saw we're adopted and now we've been sealed. But the other thing is that the seal protects, the seal stops, um, it stops the the envelope being opened it protects the contents and um, in andrew wilson's preach he talks about the seal like a cork that stops the wine going bad and same with the spirit he sustains these blessings in our lives and keeps us in christ and keeps us being blessed keeps us with that sense and understanding of adoption but also the holy spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance now the guarantee word is like a deposit so the best way to understand that is like we just bought this house and when you buy a house you have to put down a deposit you have to put down in sweden 15 percent of the cost of the house and that's a huge whack of money that's a lot um of money to to, to sum up at any stretch 15 percent of a, an apartment or a house and uh, but that guarantees that you're good for the rest of the money it guarantees to the bank that you're able to repay the mortgage, that you're not going to default on your payments, that you're not going to run out of money, that you are a person who can um, can live there and pay the mortgages and the bank's not going to lose lots of money. It's an assurance. And what God is saying, what Paul is saying to us in these verses is that God has assured us of all of these blessings, some of which we experience now, some of which will come to us um uh, in in the eternal life in when we go to heaven when we meet with god when we have um when we're changed uh into glorious uh, new bodies some of those inherit some of those things will receive them but the guarantee all of these blessings the deposit is the holy spirit and, and when you think about it that's not 15 percent. that's the that's god god the spirit comes to dwell in us and i and it made me think of romans 8 uh, 20 uh, 32 where paul again says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things so we've been given the son we've been given the spirit i mean 
what a, what a deposit, what a guarantee for us, what an assurance that God who started a work in us will bring it to completion. And I want to end very briefly um, by summing this all up the way Paul does. He started out saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is um, a formula in the Old Testament of beginning psalms. It's a, it's a praise. It's basically a worship song. Paul could have set this to music. In fact, plenty of people have set this to music. It's a song. It's a praise and worship hymn. Blessed be God the Father. And we see that at the end of each of these sections, 3 to 6, 7 to 12, 13 to 14, Paul sums it all up by saying it's for the praise of his glorious grace. All of this, all of these blessings that choosing is it's for uh, the praise of his glorious grace. So I think Paul's whole point, the purpose of these verses is that as he describes these rich blessings that are ours in Christ, that were set in motion before the foundation of the world, that are sealed and secured with the, the promised Holy Spirit, that we, the believer, that you, sitting wherever you are in Gothenburg, might be swept up with the wonder in, uh, and, uh, and reminded um, as the hearer and reader of the powerful way that God has saved you, he's adopted you, that he's redeemed you, forgiven you, revealed his mystery to you, and in being swept up, we'll be moved to praise and to worship and to wonder at this glorious and gracious and good God. So we're going to sing now. Verity is going to lead us in one final song. We're going to sing uh, the goodness of God. And as we do, we're joining with Paul and join, joining with uh, our brothers and sisters around the world in praising the goodness of God who saved us from eternity past. Before the foundation of the world, he planned our salvation and will keep us into eternity future, richly blessing us today with every spiritual blessing. So uh, I'll hand over to Verity. Um, I'm still sharing my screen, but uh, maybe Verity wants to unmute.